You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Episode 153, The Paradox. Welcome to The Paradox with your attending, Dr. Eric Larson. He is a practicing anesthesiologist and clinical assistant professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Listen in as he takes you behind the scenes of what practicing medicine in today's ever-changing world is like with another doctor. The Paradox is a fun and accidentally informative show for physicians, patients, or anyone who has ever found themselves in a waiting room. Welcome to The Paradox. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Larson. Thank you for joining me as we explore the U.S. medical system in a fun and informative format through expert analysis. And today's expert is Andy Schoonover. He's the CEO of Crowd Health. And we're going to talk about his innovative and really disruptive means of providing health insurance, or I should say really say health care because it's not an insurance program. I think it's probably more closely aligned to a health sharing ministry, but it operates differently and sort of like a GoFundMe. I think you find it really interesting. It might be something that you're interested in personally actually signing up for. So... Enjoy the episode. I think it's going to be something that will be, again, another disruptive, innovative thing within the healthcare space, people providing care in ways that are saving money, utilizing markets, and providing solutions where we're looking for legislative solutions. They just never really happen, right? But this is one that goes outside the regulations and still can find ways of saving you money and providing probably better care in many respects than the traditional model of using health insurance. Welcome to all the new listeners from the We Are Libertarian Network. I'm excited to join the network and thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoy the show where we describe basically things in the U.S. healthcare system. We describe people finding solutions, problems, and sometimes we don't have solutions. And anything that's going on in medicine, which I don't know, maybe a pandemic. So we'll be talking about that from time to time as well. In fact, next episode is going to be another discussion with the immunologist who's an expert on COVID. If you're not already, be sure you sign up, subscribe to the show at The Paradox. You can go to find the show notes for today's show at theparadox.com slash 153, or you can just visit the page in general, which is at theparadox.com. That's P-A-R-A-D-O-C-S. Finally, if you like what I'm doing and want to keep the show going, please go to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash theparadox, spelled the same way. There you can have a small monthly pledge and just help keep the show on the air. And it's a great way to express your support for not only me as a creator of this show, but also people who are creating content that you find worthwhile and want to support. But without further ado, CrowdHealth is GoFundMe for healthcare on Nitro with Andy Schoonover. Enjoy. Well, I'm here with my new friend, Andy Schoonover. He's the CEO of CrowdHealth. And today we're going to be talking about yet another innovative way and someone who's being disruptive in the healthcare system. So Andy, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, why don't you, I guess, start with the story. That's, you know, the standard story. You know, what is the mm-hmm. what is the impetus of your, your company, the Crowd... Uh, crowd health, because uh, when I heard your story the first time, I thought, well, you know, this is new, um, but it's sort of a story we've kind of heard. But why don't you go into sort of why you started it and what it is? Yeah, sure. So I was um, rolling off a previous employer. I was the CEO of a, a healthcare technology company. We were doing remote patient monitoring for folks with chronic conditions. So we had blood pressure cuffs and weight scales and pulse oximeters and things like that in the homes of of elderly with chronic conditions, monitoring that information, um, sold that company, rolled off it. And as you know, many folks, once you roll off your um, employer's health insurance plan, you have to go to healthcare.gov. So 
off I went to healthcare.gov, got a plan for me, my wife, my, my two girls, um, 1200 bucks a month. And it worked great yeah. until I actually had to use it. Um, so my, <laughs> my little one was, was having uh, recurring uh, ear infections. And so we went to the ear, nose and throat doc who um, looked at her ears, perforated eardrum. Um, she needed to get tubes in her ears. And so it's, you know, parents are listening, many of which I'm sure have had the same situation. So off we went to the local hospital, um, 15 minute procedure. I think we're in the hospital for a total of 45 minutes. Um, and, Sounds and got, right, and yeah. got the bill and it was $8,000. And I'm like, wow, 8,000 bucks for 15 minutes. I, I think we'd all love that hourly rate. Um, and so <laughs> I would too. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> Just and be clear. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, you know, I got health insurance. This is what health insurance is for. Right. Um, I get a nice note, um, snail mail, interestingly, uh, about 30 days later that said it was medically unnecessary. Um, and I, you know, went through two rounds of conflict resolution. They still wouldn't pay for the, for the uh, surgery. Wow. And, um, so I, I called him and I said, I quit, um, because if I, if, you know, I, 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 uh, if, if you're not going to help me when, when I need help, then I'm not going to pay you $1,200 a month. Um, and since then I, me and my family, my two girls, um, we, we've been uninsured. Um, we have figured out a way to work outside of traditional health insurance that, you know, the traditional health insurance system, um, and, you know, started building some tools. Um, and the culmination of that was, was crowd health. I said, okay, if our family can do this, then I'm sure that other families throughout the country would be interested in doing this, especially since, um, we as a family saved about $10,000 a year, um, by, by doing it ourselves. Um, and so we raised uh, $6 million back in April, um, seed capital to, to start this company and we're off to the races. So um, as we're, we're recording this, this is November, which we're right in the middle of open enrollment season, which is kind of our, our yes. big season. And we're just seeing an incredible amount of, uh, of interest in, in what we're offering. So lots unpacked there. I mean, I guess the, the first, so I guess the first thing is, you know, when it comes to health insurance and the you're faced with deductibles, right? And so I, I'm actually surprised that it was denied because rarely are miragonomies denied, I thought. But I guess it just depends on whatever the criteria the insurance company sets forth, right? You're captive to to whatever they 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 decide, right? Uh, well, funny, and, and so funny thing is, this, it was oh, so ahead. bad that my our ENT delayed his vacation by a day because he was worried about her long term hearing. And so you know, it's and even and, and so my my <laughs> ENT is looking in her ears, seeing a perforated eardrum. And some guy a thousand miles away in New York city says, no, it's not, it's not yeah. uh, medically necessary. So it was, as you can, you can imagine, I was pretty pissed off. <laughs> sure. And I can imagine it probably wasn't any ENT surgeon for one thing, who's reviewing this. And, and if, if it, if it is even a physician and if it was a physician, eventually it probably was, you know, again, not the right specialist who has any idea what their, they had their algorithms or whatever. Right. Uh, I feel like it's a lot like uh, life insurance in some sense, right? Like they will try and deny claims and, they always end up paying if you're persistent enough, but then they, they hope that, oh, you know, 10% of people just give up for whatever $10,000 or whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, I, and so they, I, I've been, I've been fortunate. I can, I was in a position to write $8,000, uh, you know, a check for $8,000. But I think, you know, the thing right. for me and in, in our company is, is much more missional than money-making. It is, you know, 95%, maybe even higher than that percentage of the population can't write an $8,000 check to the local hospital. I mean, that would put them in severe financial distress, you know? And so the whole point of health insurance is if you have a big 
event that you won't go into financial distress, right? And so we have all these people going bankrupt, about 250,000 families who had a health insurance last year went bankrupt because of medical expenses. I mean, it's just clear to me that the health insurance system is not working. Um, and so that's what we're kind of out to, to try to change. Yeah, no question. Because, you know, if you look at other insurance, for instance, I think, you know, if you have homeowner's insurance, uh, you know, I don't, no one expects you to write a bill or, you know, a check for $250,000 mm -hmm. or whatever it is to, to replace your house. I mean, yeah, it may not happen right away, but it, for the most part, it gets done, I think, pretty efficiently, like it, you'd expect insurance. But yeah, health insurance is very strange in that sense how it just works. So my family, you probably don't know this, but my family probably a year and a half ago, uh, through weird circumstances, went also without health insurance for a year because it's anyway, it's long story, but, and then listeners of the show will know this. And I went to health sharing ministry. So, uh, and did that for about 15 months. And then basically through my wife's work, we kind of have to get insurance. Mm -hmm. I mean, the group pays for it. And so it makes, you know, it makes financial sense to do it, but why don't you ex describe? Cause I think most people on the show are familiar with the sharing ministry, mm -hmm. but they're, but what you're doing is different, right? And so, uh, you know, the health sharing ministry, to give an example, I had a procedure, I got a bill, I paid the bill, I requested that it be paid, paying cash, and so I got a cash discount at the time of sale. But it's still, you know, a couple hundred dollars, maybe it's a thousand dollars, I can't recall. Uh, and then I got reimbursed, I guess you'd call it, and we get the sharing check in, I don't know, it was a couple months. It took a, it took a few months to get mm -hmm. it, mainly because I just didn't know what I was doing when I was trying to submit my claim. And so I would have probably been more efficient than that. It worked fine, but I was sort of on the hook for a little mm -hmm. while. And so, um, you know, how is, I, I guess, you know, explain that and how it, I guess the ministry works and how yours is maybe the same or different. Yeah, sure. So, you know, lots of people ask, are we a health sharing ministry when we're, we're not, um, you know, and, and we're, we're legally different, operationally different, clinically different. Um, you know, I can go through those if you, if you'd like, but I'll, you know, um, I'll, I'll share how ours works. Um, you on a monthly basis are asked to um, deposit funds. So it's about 150 bucks. If you're between the ages of five and 54, it'll be 150 bucks. And then a $25 is our fee, like our platform fee to get access to the platform. So totally it's total. It's about $175 per month. Um, and if you have a big family, we have big family plans also, but just put that money into an account. The account is owned by you. So it's your account um, and you do that every month. Um, and then if you have a, a bill or a health event, an injury or an illness that's greater than 500 bucks, then we're actually going to crowdfund those funds from the community of people that we have. So I will go to you and I'll say, hey, um, Andy's uh, daughter had a broken arm and it's going to be I'm making up a number, $8,000. Um, sure. And she's going to pay the first 500 of it, but we need 25 more people to pay 300 bucks each to help Andy with his daughter's arm. Will you do that? Yay or nay? And so you actually can vote on that. I mean, you actually say yes or no, I will, I will help Andy's daughter. Um, and you can say no, if you like, this is a voluntary thing. We are actually, this is actually crowdfunding. Um, and if you say yes, then your money from your account will be transferred over to Andy's account. Andy will then have enough money to go out and pay for his daughter's, um, his daughter's broken arm. Um, if you say no, um, then you actually have a reputation score within our system. 
So when you see that Andy is asking for money, you're going to look and you're going to say, okay, when Andy's asking for money. So when people ask Andy for money, is he, does he give? And so you'll see my score. Um, we actually have a, a buyer score also. So um, did, is Andy going to go, is going to the Mayo clinic for a flu, right? Or is he going to a surgery center, which is way less expensive. And so you'll look sure. at these two scores and you'll say, oh yeah, Andy's been a really good member of the community because he pays when asked and he searches for a really good price for his, his service. Um, and thus far, um, that kind of law of reciprocity, um, which we just have as human nature, right. Has worked in that people are willing to, to pay for others. Um, because when they have an, an issue, they want people to pay for theirs. Um, so it truly is a, Bit, bit of a, a, a GoFundMe meets, you know, you know, eBay reputational scores. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, the, yeah, right. the, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the, the aggregation of some really cool other company, what, what other cool companies are doing and, and applying it to, to, to healthcare. Um, so that's how it works. Um, you know, in terms of how you pay, because a lot of people are like, Oh, how do you pay? Um, for the little stuff, you know, which at, at point of sale, like your OBGYN appointment or your pediatrician appointment or whatever, you will pay for that uh, because those are under under five hundred dollars. Um, if it's a big one like a knee replacement, you know, we will pre-negotiate a, a knee replacement with with the doctor in a bundled fashion. Uh, we will pay them cash on the day of that procedure. Um, and so we will get 30, 40% discounts from the orthopedic surgeon in this case, um, for getting cash. And so those are really kind of the benefits of, of, of doing this is getting significant discounts from, from those folks by paying them cash on the day. I always say doctors love us maybe even more than the patients love us because they want cash <laughs> as opposed to haggling with health insurance companies. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a simplicity of, I guess, once you have a contract and getting a big lump payment from Blue Cross Blue Shield every month or whatever, but yeah, definitely not having to submit claims and uh, having all that prepaid, I mean, is a tremendous advantage. I mean, obviously, if you had enough of that in your business, then you could you could remove some personnel that you have for billing and things like that. Obviously, you need enough people, but to doing that. Well, yeah, I mean, even through some, a, you know, the health records or EMR, EHRs, um, when you're billing, you use them for billing, they will take you know, six, seven, eight percent of your your revenue just by using their billing system, right? And so, um, yeah. if we can pay them in cash, they can save that. They can save the people the, in the billing department. As you know, doctors have to haggle with health insurance companies around what they can and what they cannot provide for their for their patient. Um, you know, I've heard it's like thirty percent of doctors' time is spent, you know, haggling with health insurance companies. Um, and and you as docs, just you you want to be with the patient, right? Like that's what you love. That's why you got into medicine. Yep. Um, not haggling with some administrator who doesn't have a clue what's going on, you know, from a thousand miles away. Yeah. One of the great benefits of being an anesthesiologist, I did not realize when I went into it is that I don't have to deal with prior authorization. Now that doesn't mean other people don't, right. don't have to do that. And I, and I guess I pay for it on the other end in the sense that I may not have surgeries come to me that other ordinarily would have because people were sure. dealing with, you know, the, the insurance companies, uh, so yeah, I mean, this totally sounds like a GoFundMe, and you have a social credit score, I guess, in some way, right? Uh, and you have so the expectation is that people pay a, a base fee, and then there's a and it's sort of a like with this, this health sharing ministry, it was that you take you have a certain amount that you every month, and you end up 
basically sending that to some person as opposed to sending it to, I think one month you sent it to the corporation or the, the main administrative office and the rest of the, the other 11 months you sent to some person like in, you know, Gainesville, Florida or something like that. And so this is different that you have, you send sort of, you were building your own account and then you just send it to you guys and then you guys sort of send it to wherever it's needed. So it, is there like an expectation of how much every month you're going to be asked to give, you know, because I suppose the amount, you know, what's needed every month is going to vary within the organization. Yeah. You're, you're going to put in the same amount most months into your account. Right. And so it sits there in a bank account owned by you. And then, you know, if you don't use it, then you can take it with you when you leave. So it's literally, oh, okay. it's literally your money. Um, we're just asking you to put it in a bank account be- to make sure that it's actually, it's there, right? We can say, hey, keep it in your own bank account, but you know, um, we just want to make sure that, that people aren't spending it on, on a new car or something as opposed to, you know, um, you know, the, the crowdfunding their, their fellow community members. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there, there are for sure similarities with the health shares and, the backend economics are kind of the same. You know, you get benefits from paying in cash and things like that. So there are some some very valuable things that the health share has done. And you know, some of these have two, three, four hundred thousand members, and they've been around for thirty plus years. And so um, it shows that there is a viability in in the mechanics of the way that they they do it. We've changed up the mechanics a little bit, but the economics are very very similar. Yeah, sure. I mean. You have an expectation of how much you pay out, and you have a buffer put in place, right, so to make sure you can cover unexpected, whatever that might happen. So the obvious questions are, you know, what are the what are the uh, ex- exemptions for pre you know preconditions, right? I, like I had a kidney transplant, can I join and start you know get pay for my dialysis sure. and things like that? Yeah. So there's only two reasons why um, we would we would not allow you to join the community. One is smokers. Um, two is uh, obesity. So if you're over 300 pounds or you've smoked. Um, consistently for any three month period in any part of your life. Um, that is um, not um, something that we're currently accepting. We may in the future, but um, not, not currently. And then pre existing conditions. Yeah. I mean, um, you can join us if you have a pre existing condition. We just ask you to pay for the, your pre existing condition in the first year. Um, so, and then in the second year, we will crowdfund up to 25,000 of your pre-existing condition, 50,000 in the third year and a hundred thousand for the fourth year and beyond. So it's kind of like, Hey, you're, you know, if you have a pre-existing condition, you can't just assume everybody's going to come and pay for you. Um, you got to pay your fair share. <laughs> um, and that's your one, right, one yeah. year. And then, you know, beyond that, then the, the, the community will help you, uh, help you pay for it. So, um, yeah. And we've got lots of folks who've come in um, who have, you know, pre-existing conditions and are like, look, I, I don't think anything's going to happen to me in the next year. Like, um, you know, high blood pressure or high cholesterol or, or things like that, which a large swath of the population has there. I mean, people are, are pretty comfortable that, you know, you're not going to die of high cholesterol over the next 12 right. months. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And I mean, I like, for instance, I've got a, a, a foster son who has had a renal transplant. So he's had, you know, key transplant. So for him, obviously it's, you know, massive sort of expenses, just his medications mm-hmm. alone and mm-hmm. getting fusions. And of course he's at risk for admissions, things like that. Uh, so then, you know, the other question of course is pharmaceuticals. So, um, you know, how do you handle medications and things like that? Is that just sort of part of the, uh, part of the expense? If suddenly I have, you know, I get prostate cancer and I have to get a chemotherapy or is that, sort of the, I pay the first 500, then you crowdsource everything after Yeah, that. you pay for the first 500, we crowdsource the rest. Um, and it's, 
120 days of your injury or illness will be paid for, um, will be crowdsourced. So, um, let's just say you, you know, you have a knee replacement or whatever, and you have some, and that, that knee replacement for us, you know, it'll probably be like $22,000. So you're paying the first 500 of that, the crowd funds, the 17,000 of that, there are going to be some prescriptions afterward, probably. And so that, that is included in that health event, that injury health event. So, um, the crowd would source all, all the rest of, of that beyond the first 500. So it's a part of that same, same health event. Um, we do give people then, access to, to low cost, you know, prescription drugs. I mean, it's pretty impressive what, what folks like GoodRx and others have done where you can get, especially generic drugs that are 70%, 80%, sometimes less than what your health plan is paying. Um, and so we, we allow folks to utilize not, not good RX, but a, a similar service that's integrated into our backend system. Yeah. I, I, uh, interviewed the CEO of Scripco, which is a subscription-based product. Actually, I think out, I don't know if it's out of Austin, but it's out of Texas where okay. we are right now anyway. And same thing, right? You pay a little membership fee and you get all your medications. I think you pay actually a cost of whatever the, whatever the wholesale cost is. They basically make the money on your membership is like 120 bucks a year okay. or something like that. And they just mail it to you. When it comes to working with the people to help find stuff that's low cost, right? So most people they interact with healthcare, they're not interacting really ever with healthcare. Mm -hmm. That's a whole point yeah. for the most part, right? Outside of seeing your doctor maybe once in a while. But uh, when you're going for a large expensive procedure, like you mentioned, the total knee, um, how do you help them navigate things? Because most people wouldn't know what hospital to call and how to, how cash-based sure. services work. I mean, all those sorts of things. I mean, obviously the big things maybe you negotiate, but other things are smaller, like getting an MRI or something mm -hmm. like that. What do you guys do to help people, you know, keep costs low within your, yeah. within the group? Um, so we have a care advocacy team internally. So you're, you are assigned to a care advocate in crowd health. Um, so you're going to be talking to the same person. Every time you call into us, we think that's important. So they get to know you, get to know your story, get to know your healthcare, get to know your favorite doctors. All of those things are are really important. And I know that um, when I called my health insurance plan, I would probably I probably talked to a dozen different people in the twelve times that I called in. It's just a big call center, and you have to tell tell them what happened again and give them all. I mean, it's just a total mess. It's awful customer user experience, right? Um, and so we wanted to solve that. So you have your care advocate. Um, you can contact them directly via our app. So we have an app that you use. And, um, so if you say, Hey, I, um, you know, just happened a couple of weeks ago, a woman was on her boat. I'm in Texas. I know it's cold and you're, you're part of the woods probably, but I'm in Texas. <laughs> we have boats, we're but still, yeah, we're still right in now. boats, um, fell off her boat and tore her ACL. And so she calls us. I said, I, she, I tore my ACL. I think I tore my ACL. I don't know. So we sent her to an orthopedic surgeon in town that we knew was really, really good. Um, and we knew that that orthopedic surgeon wanted to give us, you know, a reasonable rate um, for a, an ACL tear. Um, so ultimately, I think she tore ACL and meniscus and all kinds of stuff up in there. Sure. Um, so they're all, yeah, they're all right there. there right. Um, and so I, you know, she's going into to surgery. Uh, what is today? Tuesday, uh, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. And it's going to be about 40% of what the health plan would pay for an ACL tear because we bundled a price with that, um, that doctor, which includes, um, his time, the facility fee, the anesthesiologist, the physical therapy, that the entire thing is bundled together in, in one package and where you're paying them on the day of the, on the surgery. So you don't have to wait 60 or 90 days or whatever to get paid from your health insurance plan. And they love that. Um, 
And so that's the way that that, that worked in this, this scenario. And that was very much driven internally by a care advocate who's walking along the way. And that care advocate probably talked to that lady five or six times over the last week, um, just in terms of you, you got the MRI. How did it look? What did they say? Okay. You definitely need surgery. Okay. Here's where we'll go. So it's, it's, you know, healthcare is just so lonely. Like people just don't know how to navigate it. And so you just need somebody who's really understand it to walk along the, the way. And, and while, you know, this woman tore her ACL, she's ecstatic the fact, by the fact that somebody's actually helping her, you know, work yeah. through this. Um, so that's, yeah, that's you, a big part it, of what we do. I was going to say, um, so like when my foster son had his kidney transplant, he came to us and within a few months he had his transplant. It was my wife's a pediatrician. So it was very easy for her to sort of um, in parallel have all, about four different visits all sort of scheduled and working together. Mm-hmm. Most people, you know, encounter healthcare and they're, it's a very serial, it's a progression, right? And it takes a long time. You don't, you go here and then, oh, now you get to schedule with this person. It's going to be a couple of weeks or something. And so, you know, Having someone who just knows the sort of what needs to be done makes it a lot easier to get get through this stuff. And not only that, where to do it, like as you you know, yeah, right, um, sure. You know, an MRI in a hospital system, you know, within the walls of a hospital, is massively more expensive than you know outside of the hospital. And so, if we can keep you from going to those really expensive sources of of healthcare, that saves our entire community money, right? And so, that's the primary way that we keep uh, costs down and can actually provide. Um, you know, healthcare for 50% of what, you know, the healthcare.gov um, plans do and without the massive deductible. So that's a huge component of what we do. So the expense of that is totally worth it. Sure. Well, and we all know the magnets are actually are better in the hospitals than outside oh, yeah, the hospitals, sure. but probably. <laughs> <laughs> like, like six or seven times more, more effective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There were thousands more of those. It's an extra like half Tesla or whatever they have in their, their magnet. Yeah. Uh, and so do you find it difficult when you're negotiating? Because uh, when you're trying to negotiate these bundle fees, most places, you know, if you call up most hospital systems, they don't have a bundle price. They couldn't really give you one. Um, you know, maybe they maybe they provide, I guess I don't know on the back end if they provide it for their insurance carriers. They Usually it's like, this is what it's going to cost for the stay. But, you know, we don't know how much in physical therapy is, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Do you have to, do you just find yourself moving to independent centers and non-hospital affiliated you know, docs or centers more often for your care, just because it's easier to negotiate those things. Uh, oftentimes, or are you able to do with hospitals? Yeah, oftentimes. I mean, we're, we're we're trying to stay out of hospitals, right? So that the big building hospitals, right? Um, and but uh, as you know, like there's just a a um, consolidation of of hospitals and the 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 ecosystem in your your city, <laughs> which are driving yeah, which right. are driving costs up, um, and so. They are there. It is much more difficult in some places than others, um, but there is a an ecosystem or a, a yeah. I mean, I would say a, a group of of companies out there that are they're going and getting these bundled prices and are trying to set up kind of cash pay networks as opposed to big insurance driven networks. And so, um, with with few exceptions, we'll be able to find a, a place that they can go. Um, and and people are willing to travel too. Interestingly. Um, you know, especially for those, those, you know, bigger procedures, like, uh, if I can get you a knee replacement for $20,000 less and you have to jump on a $500 airplane to do it, and we'll pay for that to get you there. Um, you know, and, and by the way, oftentimes we'll actually pay them to do that. Right. So would you take, you know, $1,500 and a $500 trip and a $500 hotel room stay, 
um, if I can save you $25,000, I mean, like most people will be like, oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll consider that. Right. Um, and so we make it worth their while to actually travel in some cases. Um, if we don't have a local area that would actually, you know, be able to provide the service at a reasonable, a reasonable rate, you know, some of the cardiac stuff, you can't do that, or it's much harder to do that. But some of the, um, you know, other, um, you know, non-acute type of, of situations, you can do that. Yeah. Well, I would think, especially with it, when it comes to joint replacement, it, you know, it's elective, so you can do it kind of whenever. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah. a lot easier. And the price tag so big that you can have the price savings. Exactly. You know, that, make, that make it. <clears throat> I mean, it's, 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 I think it's worth spending some time here, right? Because, I mean, people ask me all the time, like, why is healthcare costs rising so quickly? Right. And I was like, it's not that complex. It really isn't. I mean, healthcare sounds complex, but the reasons healthcare is rising is is not that complex. You have the buyer of healthcare, which is the insurance plan, right? And they are through the Affordable Care Act now uh, maximize maximum uh, you know amount that they can profit on your premium, right? And so you just say have a thousand dollars premium, you know they can only profit. 15%, in some cases, 20%, but so they can only profit 150 bucks. And so on the outside looking in, that sounds great. Like you don't want, you know, insurance plans gouging us and making a bunch of profit. But the problem right. with that is the only way to increase profit is to increase your premium, <laughs> right? right? And so yeah, there's an exactly. incentive for your premium to go up. And so you have the buyers of healthcare with a, a perverse incentive for your premiums to go up. And then you have these hospital systems, which clearly want the price goes up. And so I was like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a doctor to understand that if you have the buyer and the seller both wanting the price to go up, guess what? Prices go up. Um, and it's not that complex. I mean, there's there's some complexity in that. But, um, you know, and even if the doctor did, or the, the, the insurance plan did want to, uh, to to negotiate, and sometimes they they do, I think it's probably more for show than anything. But with the hospital consolidations, they can't really negotiate. I mean, they have very few options within some of these cities. I, I live in Austin, Texas. We have two hospital systems. So you're negotiating against the duopoly, right? And so if you right. lose one of them, you're going to lose everybody's business in Austin, Texas. And so you really, United Healthcare has no negotiation power or very little with, with St. David's or Ascension Seton in, in Austin. Um, and that's just kind of the way it works. I, I kind of laugh. I have more negotiating power against the local hospital than United Healthcare, which is one of the largest, 20th largest companies in the, on the planet. Um, so, you know, that's one of the weird, you know, things about, about healthcare. And is you're, you say that because you can send your patients, you're, you know, out of town, right? <clears throat> no, I'm saying that as an individual, me as an individual without crowd health, I have more negotiating power against the hospital because look, you know, you know, let's th- let's talk about these big, huge expenses, right? Like, and that's what people are getting health health insurance for in the most times. Like, they're worried and fearful about the NICU babies or the leukemias yeah, or things right. like that. And so, the hospital has a decision make. They can put Andy Schoonover into bankruptcy because I can't pay the five hundred thousand dollar cardiac arrest bill or whatever it is. Um, or they can negotiate with me. And ninety nine times out of a hundred, they'll negotiate. Um, and in fact, there's federal law that says if you provide a service without a contract, you have to, in good faith, negotiate what the price of that service is. It's called open contract law, right? And so, I, as a, you know, Andy, if I were to drop dead right here, or not drop dead, but drop and need a 911 and go to the local hospital, yeah. I don't have a contract, and so me and the hospital then have to negotiate what that price is. 
Um, and so then the, the hospital will, will negotiate that price with me. And most of the times it's Medicare better. Um, uh, so, you know, that's why I'm saying I have more negotiating power against the hospital than United Healthcare does. So when people have all this, I mean, one of the most common causes of bankruptcy in the United States is, is healthcare is related to healthcare expenses. I think it's actually the number one cause, right? Right up there. Does that occur because people are insured and they have they just can't meet the deductibles or um, that are pre-negotiated by their insurance company, and they actually would have been better off not even having insurance because I the, think so. The hospital would have, in good faith, negotiated better. I think so. Like I said earlier, the whole point of insurance is if you have a big event, you are covered. Like you don't you're not you don't go into financial distress. But the problem we have with health insurance nowadays is that. Um, employers oftentimes are masking rising healthcare prices by keeping premiums flat and raising deductibles. And so people are getting right. into these deductibles where they are five, six, eight, ten thousand dollars sometimes. And look, if you don't have five, six, ten thousand, eight, ten thousand dollars in your bank account, you don't really have health insurance because that is going to put you in a massive financial hole. Um, and these deductibles keep creeping up. Kaiser Family Foundation keeps, you know, every single year, like you see these deductibles creep up and premiums have started to flatten a little bit, right? But deductibles keep creeping up and it's just a way to mask rising healthcare costs. Um, you know, I think I, I did a kind of unofficial survey of, you know, a thousand random people um, on one of those survey things online. And it was like 60% of people know what their deductible is. 40% of people don't know what their deductible is. And a part of the 60%, I'm telling you, are lying because I haven't yet, I've yet talked to a person who have a health insurance who know exactly what their deductible is. They're like, I think it's, it might be. And I'm like, guys, this is one of the most important numbers in your life, you know, because if you have a massive health event, that's how much cash is coming out of your bank account. <laughs> um, so you, you, you really need to understand what that is, you know? And so I, you know, all these healthcare.gov plans have, massive, you know, hot, huge deductibles. Um, and they are really putting people into some, some, some fierce financial difficulties because they just don't understand it. Yeah. Well, I'll admit that I'm one of those who doesn't know the exact deductible. I do know that once I meet the deductible, I still, I still am on the hook for 20%. There you go. Uh, so you have to co quite a while until you hit max amount of pocket it. costs or yeah, whatever. Co-insure it past a certain level. And then you're like, okay, so then what happens? Right. Right. Like, there's a max out of pocket that you probably have, which you may or may not know, which is then the, a really important number too. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's and that that, that arguably I, when I talked to Kevin Way Casey way back in episode 16, he said that was you know that's the number you need to know the max out of pocket because that's really what you're what you have to have you know laying around in case something yeah, happens. Absolutely. But that doesn't even include the premiums, of course. You know you have to take your max out of pocket plus your premiums, and that gives you the total cost of the healthcare plan. And it. And not surprisingly, they always end up about the same. Like, you know, no matter what plan, you know, silver, bronze, platinum, gold, it kind of ends up being about the exact same number, just where the risk, I guess, is on, exactly. on payment. And most people know what their premiums in. are because it comes out of their, you know, bank account yeah, every, right. every month. But very few people know what their deductible is. Yeah, well, and I think it's also very suspicious when you have healthcare systems that also are affiliated with insurance companies. I mean, clearly... They can't possibly be working for this against each other, right? It wouldn't make any sense right. to have a business where you know half of you is working to lower the price, the other half's raising the price. So, I think just and knowing that that can happen means that obviously the other insurance companies work operate primarily in the same sort of principles, right? So, and if they're working together, they should be able to lower costs, and that should result in lower premiums. But it's not. 
So yeah. something is going awry there. So you've been in business now for a couple months. It sounds, well, beginning of this year, right? Yeah, we started in April. Um, for the first six months, we we were building technology and building our go-to-market plan and, and things like that. So um, we actually started marketing in October, October 1st. So we've been at it for for six six weeks. Um, by the end of this month, we'll have about 1,500 customers, um, which is where we really need to be. Um, and so in December, from everything I understand, is the, la- the first two weeks of December are pretty crazy with open enrollment because everybody, just human nature, waits until the very last minute to figure out their, you know, their health insurance needs. And given that we are an alternative to that, um, um, that you know, that's when we'll, we'll really fire up too. So it should sure. be an exciting, exciting month or so. So scalability, uh, you know, what, what do you see as the max amount of people you can have within your, your, I don't know, is it a group? Is it, I, I don't know how to refer to your community. Members, Maybe it's called a community. 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 Yeah. Community. That's a good word. So, um, how many, what's your, what's the maximum scale or what, it sounds like 1500 is your minimum, right? That's your floor. You have to have at least 1500 sort of make the make things work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then I guess, you know, who are, who are the typical people going to your true group? Are they people, are they employers who say, you know what, we're going to pay for your, we're going to pay some of this stuff and that way, because we can't afford the premiums or I guess who you're marketing mm-hmm. to in general. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're marketing to individuals. Um, and so most of these folks are uh, 1099s. They're, they're gig workers. Um, you know, about a third of our, our client base thus far are real estate agents. Um, you know, because they are all 1099s. They don't get insurance from their, from their agency. Um, so we've made a big, big push, push there. Um, you know, Lyft drivers, Uber drivers, um, you know, again, the, the, the folks you'll find on, on Upwork and, and all those types of, of groups, right? They're, they're freelancers um, who are looking for, you know, alternatives. So that's one group of, of, of folks. Another is you may be employed in a small business that doesn't have health insurance. Um, doesn't provide sure. you health insurance. So, you know, you start having, you know, some pretty significant regulatory things go on, what happen when you hit 50 employees, um, you're considered a, I think a large employer or something like that. Um, right. And so, you know, ACA requires you to have health insurance or provide your employees with health insurance. If you're under 50, then there's no requirement. So there's a lot of small businesses out there that would love to provide people health insurance, but just can't. And so those employees have to go and figure out you know, health insurance for themselves. So we're seeing a lot of them folks as well. And, oh, I would say, interestingly, um, 50% of our people um, who join are uh, coming from being uninsured. Um, so, you know, we are providing folks who have previously be, been uninsured um, with an opportunity to, to pay for their healthcare costs in a, in a little more effective way than going to traditional health insurance. So that's a, a pretty cool fact. And then do you, I guess it, the cost would not be paid for by the, the community, but do you find that you try encourage people to go to DPC or alternative? Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Care, I mean, we would love DPC. And, we love that, that model. Yeah. We're trying to figure out a way to in, incorporate DPC into, into what we do. Um, we're trying to figure out if, if of the 150, you know, a, a big chunk of that can be used for DPC. So we're just waiting on to, 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 just kind of see how the, the costs of the, the model is working out. Um, but I do think DPC is going to play a pretty big role in what we do um, going forward. Um, so I, I love that model. Any, any cash pay model for healthcare 
we are all about <laughs> like whether it be good rx for prescriptions or dpc for your your primary care we love that yeah i mean it certainly seems like they're the ones who are really good at least in the local community which they're gonna have better local knowledge than most people mm -hmm. and most mm -hmm. you know a national co company at finding discounted places to get you know laboratory work or imaging and doing lots like of virtual that. care too um, you know, so we, we provide free, uh, virtual care, unlimited free virtual care to all of our, our members. So, you know, we try to get them their first stop to be, you know, the virtual care, um, as opposed to going to, you know, other more expensive places. And most people want to take, you know, prefer that anyway, they want to talk to a doc in the comfort of their own home, as opposed to sitting in a waiting room somewhere. So, um, we're, we're utilizing, uh, virtual telehealth visits, uh, pretty effectively. How many docs do you have employed and, and do you have to get them licensed for every, third party. every state? So we use a third party. Oh, third party. So you use a third party person yeah. who's already taken care yeah. of it for you. Okay. Yeah. We that don't have the sense. scale at this point to do that. Yeah. Okay. And again, you know, you're, I assume you're going to be looking to cover the entire country. Yeah. We're, we're all 50 states. Um, I think we currently have people in 46 states. Um, so we're all, we're all over, um, and there is really no limit to where we, where we can go. I think, you know, eventually we'll probably have some, you know, interesting regulatory battles in some, some states that don't like, you know, alternative to health insurance. Um, and so we will, we will approach those when we get there. I mean, we, we've spent lots of money on regulatory attorneys to ensure that we don't cross over to that insurance or business of insurance line. Um, and that's why we're doing some of the things that we're doing like you have your own account and you can take the money with you. It's like, it is your money. It is not our money. We never even touch your money. Um, we are just a platform to help you connect you with other people who, who want to, who want to help. Right. Um, so we, we think there'll probably some, be some regulatory, you know, stuff that we'll have to deal with, but, um, what in healthcare is not regulatory, you know, filled or complex, right. It just adds to the complexity of, of healthcare. Yeah. I'm always stunned to actually the, all the people I talk to who, despite all the regulations, despite all the barriers that are put in place by bureaucrats and legislators are finding solutions to, to problems that are real. And I, and I think it's, it, by harnessing technology, you're, you're able to do things that you weren't able to do 10, 15 years ago. You know, when we were first trying to approach a lot of these problems with, with cost in healthcare, like, I mean, heck, probably even if you look back at 2000, was it 2010 when they ACA? I mean, even then it, it's hard to imagine, but you know, smartphones were not ubiquitous. Sure. Right? <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. And so you had to have big legislative solutions, or that was perceived to be the only way to solve a lot of these problems. And it seems like these these are much more practical, uh, scalable, and you can have you know a thousand of these solutions. That you know, crowd, I'm sure crowd health is not the right solution for lots of people. Yeah, but it's going to be a solution for many. Right. Well, and, and the code is all you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old too. I mean, what I'm saying is the kind of the legislative, the legal the regulatory, regulatory code, yeah. tor code is all old right. and it needs to be modernized, you know? And so I think the question is, is, you know, will the big health insurance plans who are benefiting from this, this legacy code, legal code, um, who've got lots of money and lots of lobbying money to spend, you know, do they, do they keep it old school or do they allow folks like us, um, you know, the legislative, you know, groups allow folks like us to actually innovate? Um, and, you know, like I've, I've said over and over here, like this is missional for us. I mean, we see the middle class just getting hammered. You know, the rich people can pay for it. The poor people are getting paid for by government and that middle class, that middle, you know, 60 or 70 percent um, haven't gotten a real pay raise in three decades. Um, 
because of rising health insurance costs, right? So I'm I'm trying to go to legislators. Look, look, if you're really you know concerned about uh, you know uh, income inequality, let's look at health insurance, like because that is the biggest tax on the middle class, you know. And so let me do something innovative to help those folks with with their health insurance costs. I mean that's that should be a neither a Republican or a Democrat issue. Like let's provide something so people can reduce their healthcare expenses. Seems to make sense sense and it, and it doesn't so pull clear, off of the, the the federal budget either and his budget net neutral right <laughs> right and to be clear you're not not half of the money that you send to uh, crowd health goes to lobbying efforts nothing right? <laughs> we, we have not spent a dollar on lobbying so um you know i think the health insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies are like the largest one and two largest lobbying groups in you know federal yes. and state um so they have some money so we got to really appeal to legislators to say, no, this is a better outcome, a better solution. I think we're at a tipping point where people are so irritated with how health insurance is. I mean, I don't know if you know what net promoter scores are, but it's basically or you're, for your audience. It's kind of a measure of, of would you recommend this service to a friend? Um, and they have net promoter scores of like 10, which means like one in 10 people would recommend their, um, their this service to a friend. You know, the others like Apple and Chick-fil-A and some of these people, they're like at like 70 or 80, right? And these health insurance right. plans are, are, are 10. Um, so, you know, I think we're at a tipping point where people are so fired up by, you know, health insurance that there might be an opportunity here to, to really create an alternative. And that would be hugely beneficial for, for this country from my perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. And when you're less popular than Congress, you've got some, some real problems. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> right. So it's not surprising, actually, that they, the, the legacy ones that you have no choice, right? There's no alternative. There's no second Congress you can vote yeah. in, right? It's just one Congress. And you pretty much, have for, for a long time, have been forced to, until you hit Medicare, which is you know another all kinds of sure. can of worms, you've been sort of forced with this sort of model. And it's not one that is not designed to benefit the patient. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, arguably... If you're a, a physician, you probably feel like it's not even there to help you anymore. And maybe at one time it was more beneficial. Well, you have the, all these docs uh, so, burning out too. I mean, you're a doc, you know, I mean, you've probably oh, yeah. seen it. Like they're they're I burning see. out. And, and the number one sided reason is administrative stuff related to health insurance, right? It's like the number one sided reason. So um, yeah, I think we're at, a, we're at a point. Gallup did a, a poll back in 2019. So it's a couple years old, but it's like uh, the 10 most hated industries. Number one is federal government. Number two is health insurance. So it's right behind the federal government. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're hand in hand. And, um, but I, to your point, I do think it's really, it, it is, we are at not only a tipping point, but financially you look at it when you can get, when you can cut costs so significantly, uh, it becomes inevitable, right? Like once a taxi cabs, you could find an alternative that was 10% of the cost of a, of a cab ride, you mm -hmm. know? No matter what sort of legislation people put in the way, it doesn't matter because at that point people are going to select the thing that is that is so profoundly you know life changing as far as from an yeah. economic standpoint. And I feel like healthcare is kind of at that point now too, where you have the you have the means now of of harnessing markets and you know innovation, which you couldn't do before you know before you had smartphones, the internet, and things like that. So I I do think that just they're going to try and stop you as much as they can because that is their business model. I mean, lobbying, that is primarily how they totally. make their money. Right. Uh, but I feel like they, it, you know, 
at some point it just people won't care about them and it does there'll be too much uh, pressure to not do it much like taking away people's schools with school choice you know they're going to go these are the or like homeschoolers i always feel like they're the people who yeah they might only be 10 15 percent of the population but they'll burn the capital down to the ground if you try and take it away from them at this point they're too there are too many of them and it's too life-changing and so i think the same thing happens at this point with absolutely well uh to find more about crowd health it looks like you go to join crowdhealth.com uh where else uh can people follow what you guys are up to what you're doing uh I found you on LinkedIn, but I'm sure there are other places where people can find out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, we're all on all the social, big social media platforms. So join Crowd Health is our um, kind of name and all of our, all the big ones. So Twitter, um, Instagram, um, Facebook, we're, we're all over. LinkedIn, you can, you know, feel free to follow me or, or Crowd Health on, on LinkedIn. Um, and you know, I'm, if you, I'm, I'm pretty good at railing against the, the, the healthcare space generally and, <laughs> in, 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 in all of our I social noticed. media platforms. So if you're interested in healthcare and policy and things like that, it's, uh, some pretty entertaining stuff that, uh, we put up on our, on our social media. You can tell by our social media presence, we are not a health insurance company. We are, we are atypical. <laughs> so I have to admit, I, so I don't TikTok. I don't understand it. I also don't understand it. Instagram. What is cr- you got to tell me what does joint what does crowd health do on Instagram? Because I always thought it was just like pictures. So yeah, so right now I we're going me through to what you guys are doing. As we speak, we're going through the uh, the top ten reasons why to ditch health insurance. Um, so you know we're I think we're on number five today. So you know we're, we're counting them down. Um, and they're all they're all. Pretty was that the gobbledygook? I saw that somewhere. Was, was today, and I loved it. I thought it was the best <laughs> one, but. Uh, you know, it's and to tell your readers, it's or your listeners, it's it's a a, a one sentence um, that I think is like eighty words or something crazy like that. Not eighty, you know, characters, eighty words, one sentence out of the member guideline of a Blue Cross Blue Shield plan, and you have to be, you know, a healthcare economist to understand it. You know, and it's it's just I think it's hilarious um, that you know people are expected to understand. And what goes on behind the scenes of, of, of healthcare. You know, as I say it, it's, it's the one industry or the one thing that I buy that makes me feel dumb, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I've, I've, you know, I, I've had very smart friends who say the same thing, you know, and, and that's where, you know, something has gone terribly wrong when we have no idea how something so important in our lives works behind the scenes. Um, and so we're, we're trying to change that. Well, thanks so much. And I, to the 80 word uh, sentence sounds like my, how my wife always criticizes my writing <laughs> long run on sentences. Run so on for sure. It definitely hits home. Well, Andy's going to from crowd health, crowd health. Thanks so much for joining the paradox. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the paradox. If you like what the doc is doing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher and share the show with your friends. Become a supporting listener to get access to special bonuses at patreon.com forward slash the paradox. Show notes can be found at theparadox.com. Paradox.com.